this evening we will be meditating upon the book of Jonah, which is one of the very important passages in the Old Testament in a very particular way because it speaks to us of the spirit of love and forgiveness which our Lord speaks to us about in the New Testament. There are four chapters in this book, so it's a very short book. And um, the first one is where Jonah's fleeing away from the mission that God gives him. God says, go east and make the, help the Ninevites, the enemy, to repent. And so Jonah goes west instead. That's the kind of way we sometimes operate in not responding to the will of the Lord. Then in the second chapter, uh, after Jonah is thrown into the sea and eaten up or swallowed by the great fish or the whale, it says a great fish, he then utters a psalm to the Lord in the midst of his struggles. Then finally in chapter three and four, Jonah gets back again on track. The fish spits him out on the, so on the shore on dry land. And he finally reluctantly goes about his mission of being a prophet of the Lord. And I think this uh, reminds us that so often we reluctantly do what the Lord wants us to do. And we need to learn uh, from this story of Jonah how we need to reach out and respond joyfully to the Lord and not simply be people who are fleeing in the opposite direction from him. The program says that there are, I'll be doing chapters three and four, but I feel like, I think I can speak quickly, leave out the vowels the way they do in Hebrew, that speeds things up. Um, and I'll throw in chapter one as well, because it's great. It's that part where he's fleeing away from the Lord. Uh, I thought when I was, I read this afternoon, preparing for this, the great poem by Francis Thompson, The Hound of Heaven, where he's chasing after this God as a kind of a, a dog, a hound, chasing after the sinner. He's going the wrong way, and then with unperturbed pace, majestic instancy, the hound of heaven is chasing him down. And I think if we ever think of a poem that fits perfectly in the book of Jonah, it's The Hound of Heaven by Francis Thompson. However, it takes seven minutes to read, I discovered this afternoon, and we don't have time for that, especially if I'm gonna throw in an extra chapter of Jonah. So let's just get ready for this extraordinary book, and it will help us to learn of the freedom of the children of God. Turn away from our sins, follow God's will, let there be a pathway to our heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with us, send your Holy Spirit upon us, that we may always do your will, that we may open our hearts, that you may enter in. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Away with all those things in our hearts which block the pathway of the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. 
he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. And then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his God. And they threw the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call upon your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought for us so that we do not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? From where do you come? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? But the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, Take me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried to the Lord, We beg you, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they took up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim it to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he cried, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Then tidings reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he made proclamation and published throughout Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, but let them cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows, God may yet repent and turn from his fierce anger so that we perish not. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God repented of the evil which he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. 
But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, I pray you, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in mercy, and that you repent of evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take my life from me, I beg you, for it is better for me to die than to live. The Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Then Jonah went out to the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. And the Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm which attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a sultry east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah so that he was faint and he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, and which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Nineveh was the enemy. It was an evil place, violent. It was the people of Nineveh, the Assyrians, who had destroyed the northern kingdom where the prophet Jonah lived. And so to ask him to preach to the evil people of the enemy city was, was just went totally against this fierce prophet's desire. Go to Nineveh, that great city, cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Jonah knows they're wicked, but he really wants them destroyed. He doesn't want them to repent. Isn't that the way we sometimes get? You know, we see people that we see they're doing wrong and we want the Lord to smite them hip and thigh and bring down thunder and lightning. And we can think of the, the sons of thunder in the gospel who are wanting the bad people to be wiped out. That's a ferocious righteousness we see in Jonah. And he's correct on some points. It's true, the people of Nineveh are pretty bad. It's a vicious dictatorship. And it's hurt a lot of people, including the people of Israel. But the Lord says, go and preach to them. Don't stay in your own anger and the citadel of your own pride, your self-absorption. Get out there. Go to the heart of the enemy city and preach to them that they might repent. 
This is what we need to do. We can't huddle together in Helm's Deep as we see the Lord of the Rings pulling back. We've got to move out. This is a lot of what Pope Francis says in a lot of his teaching. Let's move out. Get out into this society. So go to Nineveh. What is Nineveh for us? How can we go to Nineveh? What is the situation in which we can bring the love of Christ into the great city Nineveh? Where is it in our lives and what can we do? Let's reflect upon that and ask the Lord to help us to have the courage, the obedience, to proclaim his love where it is least expected and least wanted or appreciated. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Three times they repeat, Tarshish, not Nineveh. Nineveh is to the east. Tarshish is around Gibraltar, it's to the west. So he goes absolutely 180 degrees in the opposite direction from where he's called to go. He's going to do his own preaching his own way, but he's not going to go to those wicked people. He has his own plan for salvation, but not the one the Lord wants. He doesn't really want them to repent. He wants them to be destroyed. And we see that later. So off he goes with his own agenda, moving in the wrong direction. We often get like that, don't we? Moving in the wrong direction. That's why the Lord's first words are those of John the Baptist too. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near at hand. Turn back, turn back. Don't go to Tarshish, go to Nineveh. That's where you're supposed to be. Not off in a distant land, but in a land which is not going to welcome you, or the word of the Lord. How often do we head for Tarshish when he tells us to go to Nineveh? With our own willfulness, willfulness. I did it my way. You know, it's the only theme song, the only song in hell is I did it my way. And that's just not the way to be. Let's ask the Lord to forgive us for the times we skedaddle off the Tarshish. We should be going to Nineveh. We do it our way and not the way of the Lord. Forgive us, O Lord, our willfulness. But God's not going to let him do that. He chases after him. Now, in The Hound of Heaven by Francis Thompson, he, he's like a dog coming, pursuing him, hunting him down. This is a fascinating image for God. Here, it's a little different. He hurls a great storm. There's, there's Jonah escaping to the west, and God is sending a storm, and eventually a fish, to bring him back. The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his God. 
And they threw the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call upon your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought for us that we do not perish. There is Jonah. He always gets things wrong. So much like all of us, every one of us. I often think it's like Lot in the, earlier in the Old Testament. Lot always given a choice between a beautiful place and Sodom and Gomorrah. He picks Sodom and Gomorrah. He's, he seems to always get it wrong. He stumbles all the time, and that's pretty well Jonah. Jonah just, well, here we are. That's us. We're often like Jonah. So we're, he's heading off west, and God wants him to go east, so the storm is there. Now, the mariners were pagans. They're the enemy. They're not the chosen people. And yet, they're the ones who turn out to be the heroes in the first part of this story. And that's a message to us. It's not the people you would expect, our own friends, the one, the little inner group, who turn out to be the heroes and the ones who are admirable. So there they are, and they're trying to empty the, the weight off the ship. They're eventually going to throw something else into the water, not just the, the, the baggage and the material. And there is Jonah. They're in the midst of a great problem, but there he is in the ship, middle of the, the ship, and the, the captain tries to get him to pray to his God so that we do not perish. These are very pious pagans. They're more obedient to their gods than Jonah is to his God, the right God, the true God. The pure and righteous one does not look too good at anywhere really in this, the story of Jonah. And that's a message for every one of us. Sometimes we can learn from the people who do not have the blessings we have, the blessing of faith. These are faithless mariners, and yet they are trying to do the right thing. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, so we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? From where do you come? What is your country? What people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made, earth, made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. So they question him. They want to know what's happening here. Why are we in such great danger? And he gives, of course, a perfect reply. He is of the chosen people. He is a prophet of the Lord, the true God. And yet he is the one who has brought this danger upon these good pagans who are in danger of their life. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you? that the sea may quiet down for us. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, take me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. 
So finally, we see Jonah not thinking of his own agenda. For once he's thinking of someone else, even he's thinking of pagans. He knows what has to happen. He's the cause of the problem. He knows that too. That's a good start. Repent for the kingdom of God is near at hand. That's why, you know, bless me father for I have sinned is a great opening line. We need to, to know reality. We can't just sort of be in a, a fog. He knows it's my fault. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Accountability is what the pagans say, call it today. But it's, he says, it's my responsibility. So he says, throw me overboard. He's willing now, he's come along to sacrifice himself for others. May the Lord grant each of us to grow in that wisdom and that sacrificial love. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried to the Lord, we beg you, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they took up Jonah and threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Here we see these righteous Gentiles who even when he offers to be a sacrifice, they, they want to help him. There's so much better than he is. They try to row to land so that they can save his life. But when they realize they cannot, with regret and begging God's mercy, they do what the prophet says, they throw him over. we often can learn and be edified by people who are not of our own faith, by people who are atheists, by people who do not have the blessings and gifts we have. Just as with all the blessings we have, we can be like the great prophet Jonah and go the wrong way. Here we see the good guy is a bad guy and the bad guys are good guys. Although finally Jonah does get to get out of his own selfishness and seek to sacrifice himself for the others. May the Lord help us to learn from the goodness of others not to flee from the will of God and to grow in our life. That even if we are hard of heart and going in the wrong direction, may we have within our hearts the transformation 
which we see in Jonah. As he becomes more willing to forget about himself and look to others and how he can help them. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Finally, he's back on course. He goes unwillingly, but he, at least now he goes to Nineveh, where he should have gone in the first place. How often we waste our brief lives going down pathways which go nowhere or go in the wrong direction. How much of our life we waste sailing to Tarshish when we should simply get on with it and get to Nineveh where the Lord wants us to go. Finally, Jonah arose and went the right way. Lord, help each one of us not to take as long as Jonah. May our hearts be more compassionate, more obedient to the will of the Lord when he speaks to us. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. And Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. You can just imagine him creeping along slowly, probably whispering under his breath, repent, repent, because he didn't really want them to do it. Darn. <laughs> so Jonah began to go and he cried out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now he, he gives the message and it is a message that there are consequences. 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. And the tidings reached the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, sat in the ashes, and he made a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may yet repent and turn from his fierce anger so that we perish not. This great conversion does not occur because the prophet has his heart in his job because he doesn't even want to be there. It occurs because of the grace of God. Even Nineveh, which was a symbol, a sign for everyone in those days of the evil place dripping with violence, 
Even Nineveh repents and repents rather quickly and totally from the king to the lowest in the land, putting on sackcloth and ashes in repentance. O Lord, do not punish us. They turn from the way they were going. To get Jonah to turn, they had to have the storm to God had to bring him back. But they turn from their way of violence to repentance, begging God's mercy, just at a word of a reluctant prophet who didn't want them to repent. God's actions in this world do not depend on the quality or the eagerness of his servants. So often we're heading the wrong way. And anyway, we can't do this great task. Maybe it's appropriate in this, of all books of the Bible, to remember those words. The sea is so great, and my boat is so small. And so we need to pray, as Jonah does in the second chapter of of this book. Pray the Lord. Prayer. Prayer and fasting. That's what the Lord says to the apostles when they come back and they, there's some evils they cannot handle. These things are dealt with only by prayer and fasting. I think that's something we need to think about more. We're kind of in a little bourgeois, uh, superficial glide through life. Our, I think we all tend to be that way, a little too much. We missed something when we got rid of the concrete, practical signs of repentance, of fasting, of prayer. We, we need that. That's why at some point I'm going to, I'm working on it, put out a pastoral letter that will call us to rebuild the church, rededicate the church by rededicating ourselves. And one dimension of that is prayer and fasting. Because the evils of that great city, Nineveh, full of violence, are perhaps more obvious but not more evil than that of our own country. It's just the evil is more subtle. It's clothed in sweet words, dusted over with euphemisms, genteel. but nonetheless calling out for prayer, fasting, and a heart that is open to the will of God. The prophet speaks to us here. And I don't know whether, well, who are are we to say, whether the evils we face will be turned around as dramatically as we hear in the book of Jonah, but that's not the point. As Mother Teresa said, our goal is not to be successful, but to be faithful. And it also, I think, is above all now these days, prayer and fasting, and know our faith well, and be able to go to the heart of Nineveh 
and not to flee to comfy Tarshish, which is the wrong way to go. And so when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God repented of the evil which he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. They just turned. By God's grace, they turned, and he forgave them all. The whole city of Nineveh, he didn't cast down fire upon them. He forgave them all, which is not really what Jonah wanted. It's not, that's why he went the wrong way. He was afraid he would catch God being merciful. And he wanted them to pay for their violence. He wanted to take satisfaction in seeing them be destroyed. And we have to look at our own hearts for that too. As we deal with the evils of our society, we must not take delight in crying out against them. But we must ourselves pray with prayer and fasting that people, so often good people, who are bringing about these things in our society, that even who are we to say if they're good or bad, but these evils themselves, we just pray the Lord that they may be taken away, that people may turn from that. But we must not be like Jonah in his satisfaction at their punishment. The key is that they repent. That's it, that's all. And that's why in the final chapter, the Lord works over Jonah again to get him to see that and let him do that to us in our hearts as we hear these words. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry because they'd repented. And he prayed to the Lord and said, I pray you, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in mercy, and you repent of evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take my life from me, I beg you, for it is better for me to die than to live. He's simply frustrated because other people are being saved. And because God is not transforming the world in the way Jonah wants it done, which is basically wipe out the bad people. I guess that would leave the good people, which would include Jonah. He's so angry. How often, if we are willful, if we're servants of the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I, are we, first of all, trying to go away from God's will, going the wrong way, as Jonah did? And are we angry? There's so much anger in the church among pious people. If you want to really see it, take a look at the blogosphere, the, those things underneath, all those uh, ferocious little things. Uh, you kind of wonder whether maybe computer screens might be corroded by the acid pouring out from the bottom of blogs. Jonah, triumphant, <laughs> patron, well, I don't know, saint, of people who are 
That's why we need to read the book of Jonah. Our hearts can so often become soured. Take me, I'd rather die than live if you're going to spare Nineveh. Don't you know they're evil? And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. So he's probably there praying, Lord, wipe them out. Turn back. He's sitting there and wants to see what happens in his little booth covered over. So the Lord who appointed a fish to get him back in the right direction, the Lord's doing a lot of appointing in this book. He's, he's using all kinds of little tools to lever Jonah in the right direction. So he appoints a plant and it comes up over Jonah to be a shade for him, give him, save him from his discomfort in the heat as he's waiting to see Nineveh blown away. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Here he is, great prophet of God. He likes to be in the shade, nice and cozy and right. When the dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm. So first he appoints a fish and then a plant and then a worm. And the worm attacks the plant so that it withered. And then when the sun rose, God appointed a sultry east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? How often does anger sour our lives? I don't know whether it's not, the worst sin is pride. But the one that causes maybe, I don't know, most misery is anger. It eats away more than the worm eat away at the, eating away at the plant. He's angry that they're not, that they're repenting. He's angry that God's letting them repent. He's angry that the plant that was covering him is that he doesn't have shade anymore. He's angry about great things. He's angry about petty things. He's angry about everything. Anger is a non-discriminating pool of acid. It, it doesn't, it's kind of generic. It goes everywhere. And it could be angry at little or small. Once we've got it bubbling inside of us, mm, boy, it, it's, it just keeps pumping out everywhere. And God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? He said, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Oh my, he still doesn't get it. Angry at the Ninevites, I can understand, but angry at the plant and at the worm. And the Lord said in this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful closing line where he talks about all the, 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 the those people, they don't know their right hand from their left and also the animals too, <laughs> the cattle, it's really animals. And so the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Should not I pity Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? What a wonderful closing line. Jonah, think of the people. Think of the people. 
Get off your high horse. Think of the people. And get rid of that anger. Should not I have pity on the people? And should not we have pity in our lives? We must be faithful to God's will, for we live in a very real way in Nineveh, that great city. The image in the apocalypse is Babylon the Great. We are citizens of the heavenly Jerusalem. But we live in Babylon the Great. We must be pure and clear and strong and faithful, but never with that acid in the soul, that harshness. We must be, have clarity and charity. Jonah had a bit of the clarity, although he got it wrong a fair bit. He didn't do God's will. He sure didn't have the charity. May we have that. And so I'll end by reading just the official text for tonight, chapter three and four. As we read this, reflect upon it. What does it say to us? To my head, my heart, and my hands. What does it teach us about the Lord God? How does it help us to love? And what does it practically call us to do, head, heart, and hands. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he cried, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast. They put on sackcloth for the greatest of them to the least of them. And the tidings reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he made a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may yet repent and turn from his fierce anger so that we perish not. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God repented of the evil which he had said he would do to them and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, I pray you, Lord, is not this what I said when I was as yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in mercy, and that you repent of evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take my life from me, I beg you, for it is better for me to die than to live. 
And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? And then Jonah went out of the city and sat at the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. And the Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when the dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm which attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a sultry east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came up into being in a night and perished in a night. Should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.